You have two teams who are two and two on the season. You have two teams who are both looking for their first win in Big 12 Conference play. You have two coaches feeling the pressure to win and win now. Who comes out on top? The West Virginia Mountaineers or the Texas Longhorns? Well, on Saturday, October 1st at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, we will find out as the Mountaineers travel to Austin, Texas to take on the Longhorns. The game will air on FS1. Are you ready? If not, I'm here to get you ready. So pull up a chair, sit back, relax, and let me serve you up a double shot of top-shelf college football conference. What is up, college sports fans, fellow members of Mountaineer Nation? This is Coos, and welcome in to another edition of Coos's Corner. On tap for this show, that's right, I said a double shot, so you know what that means. I've got a guest. I'm joined by the one and only Steven from the Fanatic Perspective. What's up, Steve? How you doing? Doing well. How are you? Doing well, man. Appreciate you joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Coos, and uh, excited to uh, see which one of our teams can get on, back on the right track in the Big 12 here. Absolutely. Before we get started, though, uh, go ahead and let everybody know where they can find you at. Absolutely. So fanatic perspective, as you guys can see, I'm a Texas fan uh, and we do a lot of Texas football content. Find me on Twitter at fan perspective and my handles there up top. But fanatic perspective on YouTube, we have an amazing community. Love uh, collaborating here with Kuz and other fellow, con- you know, Big 12 content creators, college football content creators. Also cover some NFL Dallas Cowboys fan, NBA, San Antonio Spurs, but a lot of around the University of Texas uh, athletic program uh, that we've grown to, to cover. Lifelong Texas fan and uh, excited to be here today. Awesome, man. That's great. So everybody go check out uh, the Fanatic Perspective. I'll leave a link in the description box that you can go check out. And I'll, obviously his handle's there, at fan underscore perspective, P-R-S-P-E-C-T-I-V-E. And, yes, sir. Uh, the game obviously is coming up, like I said in my intro, this Saturday, October 1st. We'll kick at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time, 6.30 Central. And we'll air on FS1. We got two teams, two and two on the season. Uh, looks like kind of going different directions. You got West Virginia coming off a rob- big win in a rivalry game over Virginia Tech. You've got Texas coming off a kind of a heartbreaking loss to the Texas Tech Red Raiders. So we'll get started real quick. I'm going to throw up the odds to the, or go over the odds for the game real quick for you guys. Uh, Vegas has Texas at minus ten right now. Uh, ESPN matchup predictor has Texas with an 85.1% chance to win the game and West Virginia with only a 14.9% chance to win. And the over-under on the game is 62. First off, uh, what is your thoughts, Steve, on the on the odds? And do you think those are pretty accurate? Uh, I don't. Um, I think Texas, there's a lot of juice going Texas way. Uh, I think it actually opened at 9 and then it went up to 10. Mm-hmm. Um, that were favored and you know I agree with the over you know the 62 um, because I do think this is going to be up in the 30s um, potentially you know up in the 40s like the Kansas game was for you guys Mm -hmm. Uh, I could potentially see that you know last week against Tech we were in the mid 30s there but that that spread with the injury concerns that Texas has for very key offensive players Quinn Ewers Xavier Worthy and us not knowing their availability as of right now while we're talking. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, and, and we're both two and two on one, the big 12, I'm puzzled as to where we get to being double digit favorites right. <laughs> at right. home. So interesting. Well, I think, I mean, if you look at your roster, looking at it as a West Virginia fan, if you look at Texas's roster, I think top to bottom, you guys are probably on paper more talented than we are. Uh, you know, you've got more, more guys, so to speak, as they say, than we do. Uh, but we'll see come Saturday whether or not that translates on the field or not. And, of course, uh, we will give our score predictions at the end. So, everybody, stay on the edge of your seat for that. <laughs> we'll see see how big – see if we're homers or not when we make our picks. Absolutely. But, uh, so, you mentioned – and I wanted to get into that, actually. It's a good, good segue. The injury concerns to Ewers and Xavier Worthy. I read earlier, I think it was yesterday, that Worthy's – day to day and is likely to play in this game. Is that what you're hearing? That's what I'm hearing. Uh, as of yesterday, he was not practicing yet, okay. uh, but you know, it's, it's still early in the week. And so we know where the, him being a veteran and, and being the go-to guy in this offense, as long as I think he gets a little bit of late work in the week and he's feeling good on Saturday, he should be a go, but day to day would be accurate for him. The, the big question is, you know, as important as Worthy is, and we saw what this team looked like when he went down in Lubbock on Saturday. So I'm not dismissing that. But the big question here is Quinn Ewers and if he will be available Saturday night. You know, there was a lot of talk last week about him potentially playing against Texas Tech. And as we got closer, it was a lot of things drifting towards Hudson Card getting the start. With us taking a loss and not really – at the fault of Hudson card, but also needing that juice and knowing we've seen a difference in what our offense looks like with Quinn Ewers running the show, even in limited, you know, sample size that we now have mm -hmm. uh, versus what this team has looked like under Hudson card and how conservative they've looked uh, with Steve Sarkeesian. So I, you know, that th that's a huge, huge factor um, in this game, because I mean, you guys have, a five-star arm in JT Daniels, and we have a five-star arm in Quinn Ewers, and I would like to see those guys just go back and forth and spin it. I mean, from a football yeah. fan perspective, and, and but uh, we really, really have to see, and I think a lot hinges um, on that. And I know Texas is going to be mum on it because they're going to want West Virginia to prepare for both guys. And so something we really will kind of have to wait and see come Saturday. Right. And if he is, from what I understand, I don't, I don't know a whole lot about Quinn's injury, but my understanding is it, it's a pretty serious injury. So if he comes back and he's not 100%, would they rather put him in and risk getting him re-injured? You know, or do they go ahead and go with Hudson Carr? Do, do they think that – does Texas – do Texas fans and yourself feel like Texas can win with Hudson Carr at, at the quarterback position? I thought we played well enough to win with Hudson Carr last week. We we but when you're playing anytime you're playing with a backup quarterback and I'm a Cowboys fan, so been having some success. If you've seen Cooper Rush, right? Guys around him have to step up. Got some yeah. people are gonna have to play over their heads, some people are coaches included, right? You know, you're good coaches are gonna have to kind of meet in the middle and make sure you're doing the best job to still be a, aggressive as a team, but also keeping within the confines of what that player can do. I think you know, Texas has struggled with making that compromise with Hudson Card. Now, here's the other caveat, too, that you guys are also going to be aware of. Hudson Card is not healthy either. He's he's playing with a ankle sprain, and he sprained his ankle against Bama, and that's been a recurring issue for him. 
um, in terms of some of his mobility um, and, 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 you know, managing his pain throughout the game. So we're really banged up at that position. Uh, but I do think that we, you know, even at home, I think the question for Texas fans is really more on Steve Sarkeesian, how he manages the quarterback. What is right. he going to allow the quarterback to do? Because the big talk amongst Texas fans is you seem to be running two different offenses with these quarterbacks. You seem to be your normal aggressive play action stuff, very aggressive downfield with Quinn Ewers and really having a full menu. And then Hudson Card, who's been with you for two years and been in this program for three years, you condense everything down and it's very conservative and it's run, run, pass, and you're not allowing him to attack the defense. So my question is really for Sark, uh, are you going to allow Hudson Card to, to get into rhythm and, and compromise and play to his strengths um, for what he can do? Right. Yeah, and, and as a West Virginia fan, obviously our strength so far, I mean, our, our weakness on defense has been our, our passing defense. We're weak on the back end of our defense. I think everybody knows that. Our, our superstar Charles Woods got hurt in game one. We don't have we don't have any idea when he'll be back. It more than likely won't be this week. It's going to be it's a longer term injury, uh, and we've got some new faces back there who have struggled. Uh, it's no secret. So I am definitely concerned about the Texas passing attack. Uh, obviously, I'm concerned about Bijan Robinson, one of the best running backs in the country. However, so far, the West Virginia defense has done a really good job stopping the run. So that's actually been the strength of our of our defense. We held Virginia Tech to 35 rushing yards last week, which is one of the lowest totals they've been held to in, in a long time. Several, like, I think it's like five years or something. So, you know, they pride themselves on stopping the run. But what worries me about Texas, too, is that two headed monster attack with Roshan Johnson. Roshan Johnson has been a nightmare for West Virginia going back three or four years now. I remember that guy running all over us in games. Yeah. Uh, and I, to me personally, even I know Bijan's the star, the star, but I don't see a huge drop off when you go from Bijan to Roshan Johnson. To be honest, I think Roshan Johnson would be a starter for pretty much any team in the country, maybe outside of Texas. Yeah, we have one of the better running back rooms in the country, and one of the things I, I really, really like is our ability with the pass game. So we're actually showcasing these guys. Bijan Robinson is one of our best pass catchers. Roshan Johnson has been featured in screen game. So we've been very, very, very effective of getting these guys the football in space. It's not just turn the turn around and hand the football off. Uh, Keelan Robinson's another one in our running back room who you will see on jet sweeps. He caught a touchdown pass last week off of a wheel um, that Sark does with a lot of our backs. So all these guys are – that's one of the big positives I've seen, whether Hudson Card is in there or Quinn Ewers, is the ability to showcase the running backs in the run game, in the passing game. Right. Yeah, and Keelan Robinson's another one. I think he had a 100-yard day against us last season because Bijan was out. You're right. You're right. He had a big He had a big run um, against you guys up there mm -hmm. in, in, um, in Morgantown. So – you know, that's that's somebody else who you guys are going to be familiar with and some of the speed advantages that you could see right. for Texas that I feel that I feel good about even going back to last year. Mm -hmm. um, I, I really think that's going to be a big key in the in this game, quite frankly, is the running backs in the past game um, and how they're utilized. I think you yeah. guys are really going to like you said, you're good up front, been tackling well, you've been plugging holes. Um, but these are very dynamic guys that are, yeah. that are featured in the past game as well. And and can our linebackers and our safeties hold up against these against these guys? Is it a mismatch? That that concerns me a little bit. I don't know if uh, it's yet to be determined. 
if our guys are going to be able to cover well. So far, they've been inconsistent in that area, meaning even at the linebacker spot, that when they have to cover these running backs and tight ends, can they do that? So far, they've not been not been great at it, let's face it. So I hope this, this week we can clean some of that up because that's what that's an area that you guys, that the Longhorns, could exploit. Coos, I have a question for you yeah. with, yes, with what I've seen from West Virginia. I, I – I, I, I'm and I'm curious because with Worthy being a question mark, one of the things going back to Sark, can we be aggressive and take shots and and try to find some of those one on ones downfield or those deep shots? Mm-hmm. And where I look at West Virginia and and you guys have played some really emotional football games, whether it's VTech, whether it's you know you got the backyard brawl back mm-hmm. this this year, and even the Kansas game, like there people, I felt like were, you were really being exploited on the outside of guys being able to go vertical and really exploit you guys downfield. Right. Um, how do you feel about that like aspect of the game? Do you think that's where you really can be exploited defensively, or, or how do you see that playing out with those those corners? Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, we got, you know, we lost a bunch of guys to the portal uh, in the at the in the defensive secondary. He brought in some grad transfers from the FCS and Group of Five level. Okay, but but the you know they're they're, they're they preach all off season. These guys are more athletic. They're longer. They can recover better when they get beat and all this, right? So we you know we as a fan base was like, okay, we're fine. You know we're not going to we shouldn't be having issues here. Well, because we all we all knew we had Charles Woods on the other side that would basically lock down whoever he was covering. Well, lo and behold, he gets hurt in in the first game of the year. So now. These new guys—they're not—I don't want to—they're not young because they're seniors, but they're new to the team and new to our scheme, and have not played at this level until now. Mm. They're being put out there on those islands now, right? Now we're not not saying we're playing a lot of man, but still, you know, they're they're being exposed. Some, in my opinion, now they have shown some improvement, but let's be honest, Virginia Tech's not a, you know, not not going to light you up in the passing game. So I think it's yet to be—I think this is going definitely going to be their biggest test so far. In, in my opinion, Pitt was Pitt was a test, but I think this will be a bigger test because I don't think Pitt had the had the weapons that you guys have, especially if Worthy plays in this game. I know Whittington's also a name yep. that stands out for you guys. I know you guys have a really good tight end as well. So you guys have a lot of weapons, and you've already mentioned the running backs. Uh, so I definitely do think that you guys will probably beat us at least once or twice in the game on long pass plays. Can we limit that, though? Because I also feel like our offense will be able to do the same to, on the other side of the ball. Uh, so I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, honestly. I think it'll be a shootout, potentially, which would be fun You're to watch. Going over. You're going over 62? <laughs> I will go over, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we, I think it will. I think it'll go over to 62. But, you know, I thought it would go over last week, too, and it didn't. So Vegas obviously knows more than I do. Fair. I, I didn't think we would uh, – I didn't give our defense enough credit last week. I thought we would allow more than ten points against Virginia Tech, and we didn't. So, but uh, let's switch. Let's, let's go ahead and switch over to that side of the ball while we're talking about it. Uh, obviously, I don't think it's a secret. Texas's weakness has been their defense last year, and I think it, it looks to me like just looking at the stats and what little bit of football I've watched on uh, Texas football I've watched this year, looks like that's a struggle again this year. Is that a fair statement? It was a struggle last week. Where it really reared its head. The first three weeks of the season, we had held teams to 20 and under. Right. And, you know, a lot of people are going to hone in on our performance against Bryce Young and Alabama. 
and holding them to 20 and right. That the, was, that was big, you know, and, and, and just how, how we look physically. Um, mm-hmm. And we, we were able to play aggressive defensively and, and stay matched up with them. Um, we had some struggles against Frank Harris containing him and, and early in that game against UTSA, mm-hmm. they made an adjustment, went on a 34 to three run, um, were able to get a pick six and, you know, we're able to roll from there. What we saw though, in our, in our big 12 opener is what we've seen the struggle to be with this defense going back to last season and just giving up, um, somebody said on our, our, one of those Twitter spaces we did the other day, we give up too much free candy, um, Mm -hmm. our coverages. And this has been reported and actually mentioned by Sark himself, our coverages not being totally married up with our rushing packages. So that's not even breaking news. That's the head coach saying that himself. And we're playing soft coverage when we need to be putting pressure. And so what a lot of these teams have done, starting with UTSA, is just really dotting us up underneath, right? Taking the free candy, moving the chains, and high, high play volumes, high play counts. So while our defense really didn't give up any big, big plays, uh, we gave up one big pass play to UTSA off of like a, a trick play. We gave up a big run, one big run to Alabama um, in that game to Jace McCollin. But we have limited big plays. The issue has been a death by a thousand paper cuts. Right. And it's and it's killing us as fans because we're seeing guys who are grading out pretty good individually defensively. But th- as a unit, they're not getting off the field. Um, and then you marry that with our offense having struggles in the second half of holding on to possession of the football. And now we end up in a situation last week where we're over 100 snaps um, as a defense going into that overtime game against Texas Tech. And uh, what worries me is JT Daniels, Bryce Ford Wheaton, you know, Sam James, all these guys, Prather. Like, that's something that if Graham Harrell wants to kind of hone in on and kind of follow the path of what has been happening in Texas the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. he has the personnel to do that. And until right. Texas comes up and shows the ability to want to take risk to make plays and not give up the free candy, not give up the underneath stuff and marry right. those things together. I don't see why Graham Harrell's game plan wouldn't be to start right off where Texas Tech left off. Right. And the one thing I was listening to an interview the other day uh, that your, your all's defensive coordinator did, I don't know when the interview took place, but he was talking about how to stop an air raid offense, which is what we run. Yep. But he, he was he was really successful against it when he was at Washington playing against Mike Leach in Washington State. I think yep. he I think he won six in a row against him. But but the difference here's the and he was talking about how he stops it. And I I, I expect he'll probably try the some of those same same principles. But the, here's here's the difference though. And I even put this on on Twitter when whoever shared that interview, I, I posted this underneath as a comment. I said, Graham Harrell is not Mike Leach. Mike Leach very seldom runs the football. West Virginia will run the – I mean, you, you, we have one of the leading rushers, if not the leading rusher in the Big 12 right now, C.J. Donaldson. So we can run the football. At least we have been able to so far, with the exception of uh, the Kansas game. Uh, we've been able to run the football. So if he tries those principles like he was talking about and just put keeping everything in front of him and keeping a light box – that may actually play into our, our benefit for us. What do you think about that? That is a is is a great point, and and it's well documented the success that Pete Kwiatkowski has had uh, against you know the air raid, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're abs- you're spot on. 
it was one thing coming into the season because Graham Harrell was somebody who was kind of criticized at USC for, you know, kind of getting carried away with throwing the football, especially on first down. I think he had like over 70% tendency to throw on first right. down. And, you know, I think you maybe have to give some credit there to Neil Brown on keeping his OC under in check and saying, hey, we need to be balanced. I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at some of the previous games, you know, 38 runs to 40 passes and, and really having that balance there. And C.J. Donaldson, one of the things that uh, we've had success with this year that I'm pleased with and improving is our run defense as well. Same thing right. you kind of talked about with your guys. Yeah. Uh, we've had better linebacker play in terms of our run fits. Our defensive line, uh, you'll, you'll hear this name a lot probably on Saturday, Tavondre Sweat has played really, really good football this year, has really come on and found himself in an NFL, you know, draft-type year. Um, we have another senior, Keandre Coburn, who's playing good football when he's in there. And we've been impressed with our big – our interior guys have, have, have actually played really well. Where we struggled is more on the edges, <clears throat> being creative and getting real pressure – not just pressure, but disruption, right? Because right. there's, there's a difference. There's a lot of guys that get next to the quarterback, but – they may not tip a pass, force a fumble, or get a sack. So that's, that's been right. the challenge for us. Uh, but C.J. Donaldson presents a challenge I would say we probably really haven't seen yet. Alabama typically has those big backs. But this year, Bama's backs, Jameer Gibbs, Jace McCullen, and even Bryce Young himself, were shiftier guys that were used in the pass game and, and more getting to the outside. We didn't have that sledgehammer like you guys have with C.J., who's 240, mm -hmm. right? And so right. – you guys are getting the light box. You have all this action going on outside, and then you hand it off to a sledgehammer, and he gets any type of lane. It's really difficult for backers and safeties to deal with big fella, and you're right. seeing him run over people on tape. So that that is there. There is some concern there, especially with CJ. The other guys, you know, whether it's Mathis and some of the other folks, you know, I don't. I'm not really as concerned with, but CJ in particular. I think that presents a challenge because we had trouble tackling Donovan Smith last week, um, who's a big quarterback who they mm -hmm. tech use on QB power and keepers on short yardage. Um, and we did have some issues getting him on the ground. So I think that is a very, very important note to look at in terms of that air raid type thing of how much do you take advantage again? Like I talked about the free candy versus mm -hmm. also, hey, it's only five in the box. JT has an automatic check to give it to CJ, right? And so yep. those type of things, I think, is going to be where the chess match lies. Right. Yeah, and I, it'll be really interesting to watch how, how JT manages the – because, I mean, they basically give him, like you said, they give him the freedom to change plays when he sees fit. And for the most part, based on what the coaches are saying and, and the, some of the West Virginia media folks who, who who are following that stuff, he's pretty much been right on about every time. I mean, he doesn't make – he doesn't miss those a lot. Uh, the guy's a film junkie. I mean, he. It, it was amazing to hear him lay out his week and what he does through the week. Uh, I mean, he's basically a pro already. He just happens to be playing in college at the moment. But uh, and I'm sure some. I'm sure Quinn Ewers is probably similar. I would imagine. Uh, I don't know if those guys get as good as they are by by not being that way. But uh, let's talk about the, the trenches for a minute, man. What What are you guys seeing on your offensive? You, you already touched on the defensive line a little bit. What about the offensive line? What's Texas looking like up front? <laughs> We're really excited about our freshman left tackle, Kelvin Banks. 
he, to me, has been as good as advertised. He was a freshman All-American. I call him a freshman All-American starter kit when we when we, when we made that signing. I were able to secure his services. And he came in, was not an early enrollee, came in during uh, fall camp and won the job. Wow. At left tackle, which is really impressive for a true freshman. He is graded out, you know, extremely well, especially in the pass blocking. Run blocking, it'll come. But he just has that natural profile, especially that the NFL is looking for now, just that length, the arms, um, and natural size and athleticism, um, just movement-wise. We really haven't had really any issues at all um, from his end. Um, you know, one of the things that Bama tried to do, they you know they clearly have some of the best pass rushers in the country between right. Dallas Turner and Will Anderson, and, and we were freaking out before the season of how to combat that. And that really uh, was something that we really held in check uh, against some really elite guys coming after. Um, and and we're, we're starting a true freshman at left tackle. We're starting a true sophomore at left guard. We're starting a, a junior at center. We're starting a true freshman at right guard. Wow. And then a redshirt junior or senior, whatever you want to call them with COVID. And right, yeah, who knows? at right tackle, right? And so we have kind of a mix of guys in there. Um, but our tackle play has actually been really good. The guy we moved over, who was our left tackle last year, Christian Jones, um, has really developed as a right tackle and been much, much better, much more comfortable over there. Where we've had some struggles is interior run game, um, run blocking, I should say. And you're seeing that last week, there's a lot of conversation around our wildcat package which we call rocat um where you know roshan johnson will take a direct snap and um there'll be some jet motion in there he'll have the ability to hand off to Bijan john robinson but we really haven't seen any diversity out of it and one of the issues that started to happen was penetration 11 hats coming in because we're not showing that diversity and we're doing a lot of that stuff because we're having a lot of challenges being able to run inside zone consistently um, with our interior guys. So while we we felt comfortable so far in our pass protection, and it's been actually, I would say, a lot better than I thought it was going to be coming into the season, mm -hmm. I'm a little concerned about how we are on the interior of our offensive line. And Kuz, we've had we've had some bad luck. Uh, Junior Angela, who was one of the leaders on this team, yeah, I heard and about that. competing for. He had started at guard for us the last two, three years. Um, he was competing for a center spot. He suffers a catastrophic knee injury mm -hmm. in a scrimmage. And so, you know, that was a huge loss for us, uh, which is why, you know, we're playing younger guys right, right. In, in the trenches. But Texas is paying for it right now um, and not being able to just line up and run the football with with full confidence on third and three, third and two and having right. to resort to a gimmick so that's that's going to be something to pay attention to uh really on on saturday I, I believe well for what it's worth uh the gimmicks may work against us I, <laughs> especially <laughs> well i mean that's pretty much what kansas's offense is yeah and they have they ate us alive man well and not just us i mean they're eating everybody alive yeah for no. they, because they do it really really well but what what makes me nervous a, a little bit about is hudson card's ability to run the ball because he's a lot more mobile than Quinn is. So if he does play, now you did mention his ankle, so that may limit him some. But if if they include him into that into that package at all and start, you know, maybe even run some option type stuff, uh, 
I'm sure they watched film on the Kansas game and saw how much trouble West Virginia had with that. So it wouldn't surprise me if they throw throw a little bit of that in there as well and, and maybe spice up that wildcat package a little bit and throw some wrinkles in it or something to try to throw our guys off guard. Uh, because our guys, you know, in that Kansas game, they lined up in the wrong place a lot because Kansas, they just didn't, you know, Kansas had us fooled, had them fooled, man. Um, with you all know, their pre-snap, all their pre-snap movements and stuff, shifts yeah. and. It, it's interesting with Hudson Carr too because he is very gifted as a runner and he's pretty, you know, it's pretty fast. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just natural speed. Sark is very anti-running quarterback. He is wants he? to be pro style. He has shown no, especially this season, he has not allowed him to run any type of zone read. Um, or any, even last year, he let Hudson, you know, we had a touchdown our first game off his own read, you know, just in the goal line, just little stuff. And so there's been a reluctance there. All of Hudson's runs have been scrambles where he's broken the pocket and just taken off. Yeah. That has been effective. (laughs) That has been effective. And I, and I, you know, would like to see him continue to be decisive and, and do that and take advantage of the defense, especially when backs are to him. But um, it's something where it's 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 been this. It's why I mentioned at the beginning, and I kind of coded it a little bit. There needs to be compromise with yeah. the coach and what the quarterback does, right? Because we have a dual threat guy, and so you need to you can't just put him in a box and say, "Hey, you can't use your legs," because that's what right. I don't want in my systems. But it yeah. has they have to meet in the middle there. Well, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And we, you know, we ran into that a little bit last season when we had Jarrett Daggy and we had Garrett Green. Garrett Green was a runner. Jarrett Daggy was a passer. Garrett, you know, Jarrett Daggy. I don't think he could outrun a statue, uh, poor guy. But you know, Garrett Green is—he's an athletic guy who can run the ball. So he had Neil Brown had completely different play sheets for those two guys. You know, he doesn't didn't run the same. Now it causes some confusion at times trying to change sure. quarterbacks, and that's a whole other conversation. But so I agree with you. I can see where, uh, as a Texas fan, you'd be frustrated with that. Where, hey man, these guys are two different quarterbacks. Utilize their strengths. Don't try to make them do the same thing, right? Uh, coach, coach, based on what you have, don't try to make don't try to make the player fit. Amen. The make the scheme fit the player, right? Amen. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. We see that a lot in coaching. That's not we're not the only ones guilty of that. Uh, at Texas, and that's not just exclusive to Sark. That's been a that's been a thing we've talked about at Texas since we've had our struggles over however many years. But you see that across college football. This that, that's one of the reasons why I think kids sometimes do hit the portal when they mm-hmm. do because it's one of those things where there isn't that compromise. But the coaches that are able to figure that out and maximize their scheme based upon the personnel they have are typically the ones that are that are successful year over year. Yeah. What do you guys have as far as? Uh... I know we're jumping around here, but I just want this to be a free-flowing conversation. Yeah, yeah. What do you guys have as far as uh, the corner at the cornerback position? I'm, I'm curious as to what kind of matchups we'll see there between Bryce Ford Wheaton, Caden Prather, and those guys versus your your all's defensive backs. So we, you know, we have a we have kind of the we do the kind of the field and the boundary corner um, type situation where Ryan Watts, big physical guy. Uh, he's going to be you're going to see him playing in the boundary. Um, so he'll be more, you know, the guy that's going to potentially have corner black corner blitzes um, and just really effective and being physical hands on man at line of scrimmage um, and trying to feel things out. Uh, he's had some challenges. I, I, I 
because he's a big guy, the officiating and stuff has been sometimes a little shaky with him, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's had he had a challenge in the UCSA game finding the ball. Uh, but for the most part, he's been pretty solid. Um, and and to my expectations of what I thought he would be uh, transferring from Ohio State. Um, on the field side, you know, we have Sean Jameson, who's been there for a while. You guys saw him a few years ago have a mm-hmm. one-handed interception, just a yeah. crazy game. Um, he's still around. And uh, we have some young guys, Jameer Johnson, who's played a lot on the outside. And, um, you know, just kind of mixing and matching and finding folks. The corners, because of how soft we've played in our coverages, haven't been exposed or exploited or anything like that, I, I would say. I think they've done a relatively pretty good job. Right. Um, but there's not – we had a pick six in the ULM game, Deshaun Jameson did, but and and our, our nickel guys, Jade Barron, um, and the other guy, Jalen Gilbo, who you'll see a lot of, both of them. Mm-hmm. The, the the even the interception they got in the UTSA game that was off of an overthrow that wasn't really that was more of an unforced turnover they don't really have you know those those moments where hey we're gonna jump a slant or we're instinctively going to play the ball well and and, and make a play um, and that's that's something where I'm really really challenging my guys to to come up with because I, I you know Bryce Ford Wheaton is no joke um, and and you guys have challenged corners every game vertically. Like there's no secret about that, but not just vertically. I think Graham does a great job of running tunnel screens, bubble screens, getting out in space. Uh, JT will move a little bit outside the pocket. I've noticed Sam James and Prather have a good, you know, they're good at coming back to him, um, finding space and zone. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those things concern Sam James has played a lot against Texas over the years. I mean, he's been at your school forever. So, you know, those are guys that, you know, it's common personnel. They know exactly where where they're sitting down, and and they seem to have be on a pretty good accord already with JT. So um, I I I'm Kuz. I want to see my guys take some risk on Saturday. I can't yeah. sit again third week in a row and see a quarterback start the game eight for nine, ten for eleven, eleven for twelve. Yeah, an easy rhythm hitch throws oh, yeah. and just giving it up. And and now, now he, JT's feeling good because JT's going to let the ball rip and he's great with seam. Y'all hit seam routes to your tight ends. You've hit seam routes to your slot guys. Like that concerns me if we allow him to jump into rhythm and he's a, he's one of the better passers in the conferences. Definitely one of the most talented passers. Yeah. Yeah. That he had a seam route was actually what put us ahead in the tech game last week. And, scored the go-ahead touchdown for us late in the second or late in the first half, I should say. He hit Sam James on a seam route uh, in the back of the end zone with under a minute to go, put put West Virginia up, and they you know we never never looked back from that point. So it was a big play, and uh, JT read the safety perfectly. He put it right, basically whipped it right by his ear into Sam James's arms for a touchdown because uh, he caught the safety looking the other other direction. Uh, I think you know, JT, he knew exactly where he was going to be and when he was going to be there, basically. I think JT might be the most naturally talented thrower, even including Bryce Young, in my opinion. And Bryce Young's going to be a first round, you know, mm-hmm. pick oh, and, yeah. and all that. But Bryce Young wins with his mind and his eyes, and he's a magician. But in terms of just natural talent spinning the football, I'll still take Quinn Ewers over everybody. I'm biased. Right. But, There's nothing wrong with that. But 
in terms of what we'll see and what's coming for for Texas on their schedule. I think JT Daniels is the most natural talented passer, a thrower, just natural thrower of the football that we'll see. And we're going to see some him try some things, like you said, that seem where he's fitting a football in a very tight window because he has the, the ability to do that. We haven't like Frank Harris, as good as he is, he, he doesn't have that type of ability, but he also played to his strengths. He didn't try any of that. Right. I think there's, there's going to be some things our guys will see on Saturday that JT will try, but it also is an area of opportunity for Texas to force a negative play. I mean, I don't think any of our, I don't think too many of our guys were around back in 2018 uh, when we saw a 17 or 18 year old JT Daniels leading USC Trojans. Mm-hmm. In the right. DKR, but this is actually his second appearance at okay. DKR. Um, and that year we went to the Sugar Bowl and, and beat Georgia. Uh, we blocked the field goal in that game that really turned our whole season around. And um, that was a game where we we really had a lot of success under with a young, young JT Daniels. But um, even then, he spun it. He had some yeah. big plays in that game. So um, we know what we, we have an idea of uh, the, the, the type of talent that, that he possesses. Yeah. Real quick, I want you to talk about uh, a guy that we haven't mentioned yet, and I think he deserves a mention for Texas, and that's over, Demarion Overshone. Yep. Uh, has he had a good, solid year so far? Has he met expectations? I would say um, I've, I've been I've been pleased with Overshone's performance. I have high expectations for him because I think he's super talented, mm-hmm. and he was, you know, like like you know, like your guy Woods. He was on the All Big Twelve defensive preseason team. And, you know, uh, somebody who we went and met with Dan Quinn uh, of the Dallas Cowboys to, to kind of see some of the things he was doing with Micah Parsons, mm-hmm. uh, quite frankly, and some of that hybrid linebacker edge type stuff. And um, we're doing some of that with, with Overshone. Um, he's had some really big splash plays this year, um, and he's definitely one of the best athletes, if not the best athlete on our defense. I think um, – I'll be honest with you. The thing that's been frustrating with him is how he's been officiated. We've had, oh, really? we've had, we've had some targeting things happen. That's just like, I don't see what the officials are seeing. And I, I'm not, I don't like crying about it, but we all know big 12 refs and that's for everybody. Oh, they're terrible, man. Yeah. I don't they're, even, they're terrible. They're so inconsistent. Extremely inconsistent. He only played the second half of the tech game because he had to sit for a targeting call from, the week before in the UTSA game, that was, in my opinion, a completely bogus. We actually, we, we filed, an, uh, you know, we, we challenged it or filed an appeal against that, which was denied. Um, and so I think some of that has maybe impacted his game a little bit, but so far so good. I mean, that's somebody you definitely have to look out for number zero on our defense. Um, and if, and I was talking about like forced turnovers, forced errors, like, Who's gonna? Who's instinctively can get the football for me or cause real disruption? That's the best candidate there. Uh, if you're looking at the Texas defense. Okay. And up front, do you guys? Uh, who's your Who's your best defensive lineman? Uh, right now, I would say Tavondre Sweat is playing Tavon, the best. Okay, Sweat. I tried. You mentioned him earlier. Okay. Yeah, I would say he's gotcha. playing really, really, really good football. But like I said, Coburn um, in that rotation. We'll have a, another guy, number ninety, Byron Murphy, who's really good. Um, one of our most talented guys, Alfred Collins, he's been battling injury and, um, we're kind of slowly each week working him in, um, and he's been getting more reps. He's a guy who was, you know, five-star, 
you know, defensive tackle, defensive end coming out of high school um, who's flashed at times. Um, but he, Alfred Collins has some ability. If he's in there and he gets the right matchup, he can actually get real pressure on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have we have a mix of guys. I've been I've been quite pleased with my interior play. My my outside guys, you know, God bless them. They play with a lot of effort, and they've, you know, they they have been able to get pressure, uh, but they haven't been able to finish. And that's where right. we've been having to rely on Overshone to try to help supplement that but you know the natural edge guys uh, is where we've had challenges and we faced some backup tackles the last few weeks and typically you know kuz if you hear you're playing two backup tackles or a true freshman tackle you're thinking to yourself that's food that's supposed to be food for y'all right and so Mm -hmm. uh we've struggled to turn that into production quite frankly and that that's you know something to pay attention to yeah and the one matchup too i'm interested to see you mentioned the uh the true freshman left tackle earlier on the offensive line Sounds to me like he's probably going to be matched up with Dante Steele's quite a bit in this game potentially. So I'll be interested to see that matchup. Uh, obviously, if he how was able to handle, Stills, how does he still have eligibility? How long has he been at your school? It's his fifth year. Wow. COVID. He had. A, I feel like COVID. it feels like he's been at West Virginia since Rich Rodriguez to me. <laughs> but you know, like, not quite that long, but close. But you got to remember too, his older brother was here for for a while too. Yeah. So. Yeah, now it's he. It, this is his COVID year. Uh, okay, gotcha. he 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 decided to come back kind of last minute. Uh, once he got the feedback from the NFL, uh, he decided to come back and improve his draft stock because he had some things he needed to work on. And from everything I've been told, he you know he has he's had his statistics aren't great this year so far, but he's been taking out a lot of double teams too, good. which has allowed some of his teammates to eat. Uh, to eat, yeah, like you said earlier, to eat. That's a good, that's a great way to put it because. Like the coaches said the other day in a press conference or in an interview, you know, it's not – you can't really judge how good a defensive lineman is all the time by their stats because if they do what they're supposed to do, it might be the other guys who get the stats. Like uh, I think it was Jordan Jefferson, our nose tackle maybe, that got a sack. Or no, it was uh, – anyway, I can't remember which player it was, but one of our guys got a sack in the, the game against Virginia Tech. But they said it was actually Dante Steeles who allowed it to happen because he was taking up space and, and taking on two blockers, which allowed the other guy to, to get to the quarterback. So, you know, if you do your job right, uh, it's not always going to show up in the stat sheet, but the NFL scouts will see it. And that's Absolutely. I think that, and that's where he uh, that's where he's going to excel, I think, because his stats probably won't blow us away this year because of that. He's going to take on a lot of double teams and whatnot. But the good thing about that is Jordan Jefferson has been one of our highest – or nose tackle has been one of our highest graded players so far this season. So he he's killing it, man. We we really haven't missed Akeem Mesador. I know that's crazy to say, and we were all sad to see him go. But Jordan Jefferson has done a great job stepping up and filling that hole and that gap. He scored an eighty three uh, in the Tech game last week, that's according easy. to PFF. So good day. yeah, yeah. He, he he's he's doing a good job there. But I'll be interested to see that matchup uh, between Steels and our other D lineman too. We go about nine deep up front, so. We'll be throwing a bunch of guys at him, probably. Sean Martin, Taj Austin. Uh, we'll all all get their turns against that true freshman. But if he hey, if he was able to hold up against Will Anderson and uh, Dallas Turner, man, I have no doubt he'll probably be able to hold his own against our guys, too. As good as they are and as much as I love Dante, uh, I don't know if they get any better than Will, Will Anderson, man, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and Bama, I mean, the one thing they do, too, is they move him around 
So it wasn't yeah. just like he was the only, you know, Christian Jones and, and actually Hayden Connor, um, you know, we'll swing protection over there um, as well. well. We'll pull our guard to, to kind of close and, and double team with, with our back. Um, they all just were, that requires though, to have that type of protection it requires communication. And so they did a great job there. I do want to comment on something you said about Jefferson mm -hmm. for folks listening. Um, I've, I've preached this for so many times, anytime I have a football conversation, whether it's on spaces, on YouTube, what have you, of playing for each other, right? And and one of the best, you know, ways to see that is really looking at the film. Um, because you, you, you sometimes people go to the box score and they're like, he had one tackle and one assist and mm -hmm. didn't. And it's like, no, this guy was completely disruptive, blowing up double teams, commanding double teams and allowing other guys around him to have those one-on-ones and easy flow, easy access for disruption to the quarterback. And that's that's what coaches look for in terms of a team player because there is sacrifice right. there. It's not sexy to do that. It's not sexy to be the guy to be asked to commit to take on that, right. you know, deal with everybody so that somebody else yeah. can go get yeah. a sack, right? And so that yeah. is a, a big proponent of football. I just want, you know, that not to be missed uh, with our listeners. Oh, yeah, that's a great point. And, and I think, and I, you know, I'm not trying to bash – I don't like bashing players that leave, but I think there may have been some of that to Akeem Mesidor's reasoning for leaving. He was not happy playing nose tackle. He wanted to play the five technique so yeah. he can get drafted higher. I mean, that was – you know. I uh, get it. I get and, it. And, I, and I'm not saying he's selfish because, look, he's trying to do what's best for him and his family. So I'm not – you know, I'm not saying – but but – there, there's this, it, it takes a special type of player to be willing to do what the Jordan Jeffersons of the world are doing when, when you're a nose tackle in a three-man front and your your job is basically to take up space uh, and you're and you're willing to do that knowing knowing good and well you're not going to get a lot of stats you know uh, it takes a special player in my opinion to do that and and uh, so so I, pr I appreciate you bringing that up but real quick I want to we we, we got to do our score predictions here before we leave. I'll throw it to you first. What do you what are you thinking about this game as far as the score? So I had a guest on. Uh, shout out to my man Brandon from Along the Wire podcast and rivals over there um, at BirdsUp.com. He covers UTSA. One thing he did on my show, which I'm gonna have to do right now on your show, is give a score depending on the quarterback. <laughs> um, and so if it's, I'm gonna say this: if it's Hudson Card, um knowing some of the challenges and, and just what I've seen. Um, I do think we'll be able to put up some points and, and probably threaten downfield with the corners, but I think it would be a very, very tight football game, a very yeah. tight football game. Um, I would go 41-38 if it's Hudson Card in there. Mm -hmm. um, if it's Texas, um, Texas to, to win, West right. Virginia to cover. I think West Virginia is yeah. going to cover um, if, if, if Hudson plays. Okay. Uh, if Quinn Ewers is there, um, and both of my scores are under the assumption that Worthy is playing. Okay. Um, if Quinn Ewers is there, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go 45, 35, um, because I do think that there would be a little bit more uptick defensively. Um, with us and maybe we you know just inspired one of the things i've noticed with quinn is the the team just responds differently to him there's a different energy they feel like they have they can beat anybody when he's around 
uh, we just have really small sample size. So 45-35 if it's Quinn, 41-38 if it's Hudson Card. I think Texas wins this football game. It is a must-win game for Steve Sarkeesian. He's 7-9 and nine, his first 16 games. It's a lot of talk this week. He has one Power 5 win in his last eight games or whatever it is or nine games. And, and so 0-1 right now in the Big 12, it, we need this game at home. DKR and we're both two and two. We're both on one in the Big Twelve. Yeah. And both Neil Brown and Steve Sarkeesian, if they want to keep selling to their kids and their fan bases that we're going to contend for a spot to go to Arlington in the Big Twelve Championship game, you can't go and two. Conference, nope. period. Can't, can't do, do it. it. So um, I agree with that. I think it's a must win for both teams, honestly. I think it is too. Mm-hmm. Um I, that was interesting. I like the what you said about Quinn Ewers. That's the quintessential quarterback, a guy who the team rallies around him. He's a, that shows his leadership ability. That the guys can rally around him and, and want to play for him. To me, that's what that shows about Quinn Ewers when you made that statement. And I feel we have that in JT as well. Um, so I just wanted to point that out. I appreciate that. And I don't think every quarterback has that. No. No, 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 no. Only, I think it's only the top top echelon guys that have it. Um, but anyway – because I, I don't think we had that. In a, I don't think we've had that since Neil Brown's been here until now, to be honest. But uh, as far as my score prediction, this is a tough one for me because I could see this game going either way. Uh, I do. I don't think being being in Austin because we have been on the road already for two rivalry games. I think that will help us. Now, none, neither of those stadiums are as big as DKR, uh, but they were loud. They were lively. I don't think that's going to bother our guys this time. So I do think that'll help going into a hostile environment. But at the end of the day, man, I do think I predicted at the beginning of the season that West Virginia would lose this game to Texas because I just feel like Texas has more guys than we do, man. I'm just going to be honest. Uh, more four- and five-star guys than we do, and I think at the end of the day it's going to come down to to that. Um, and I think Texas I, – I do think West Virginia will cover, but I'm picking Texas by a touchdown, uh, 42-35 in this game. Got it. So, Mountaineer fans don't hate me, uh, <laughs> but I'm just being being honest. This I think is, I, I think that what this what this conversation has been is an honest conversation um, between the both of us. I mean, I think you know we watch these teams so closely, and when you do, you, you know it. You know, you don't want anybody to call your baby ugly or anything like that. But we have legit things where you know there's concerns we see, and also also things we know or believe we can take advantage of this game right. makes me so nervous i mean you brought up the, the y'all starting the season with the backyard brawl and then just playing in blacksburg on on national tv on a thursday night game too mm-hmm. so you have a little bit extra time but um you know that those environments are are great simulations to what you'll see in austin and we have a challenge out to our fans because our environment was tremendous against Alabama. We we forced we we were you can see with Bryce Young and the issues with signals, the false starts. Alabama, when have you ever heard a Nick Saban coach team have 15 penalties? Right. They were they were all over the place. Yeah. But then we then then we turned back into the chill wine and cheese Texas crowd. And it's a night, I mean, it's it's gonna be in the evening, this mm-hmm. game. Um, where we have 106,000 people in the stadium, but UTSA has no problem getting their signals and 
you know, yeah. we're kind of being fair weather again. So I'll be yeah. there. I'm actually going to be there at the game awesome. um, in my normal seats and stuff and with my co-host Tran. And we're going to be trying to give our team life. But um, West Virginia, I think, is, is, is as prepared as you can possibly be to deal with a hostile environment. And you've played good football in a hostile environment yeah. so far this year. Yeah, I, I don't think that'll be an issue uh, at all. I mean, I'm obviously, it doesn't hurt you guys. I mean, it's it's definitely a benefit still, but uh, I don't think it's going to be that much of an impact. I think it, at the end of the day, it just comes down to the guys on the field. Uh, coaching will obviously play a role. I, I don't know which coach is better at this point. I don't think neither guy's proven a whole lot yet. But uh, speaking of coaching, I want a real quick touch on Sarkeesian. He's only been there two years. Uh, what What are your expectations for him in year two? So before the season, I picked, and I was aggressive. I felt like I was aggressive with my pick of Texas going nine and three. Um, now at that point, Quinn Ewers was healthy. Um, Xavier Worthy was healthy. We didn't have some of the challenges we've now faced currently. Um, so that would really mean we only have margin to for really one more loss um, in order to achieve. Then I think we would be contending for the Big Twelve. Um, my expectation is for him to figure out the, the rest of these. We have eight conference games left. We've had in nine of our losses, four of them, we've had double digit leads in the second half. Yeah. And we've had a lead in the fourth quarter and five of them, I believe, four mm -hmm. or five of the games. Yeah. And my expectation is if you're able to consistently put our team in those type of positions, is to figure out, and he's talked about this in his in his press conferences of having a killer instinct. That's been kind of the the theme this week. Is we got to finish killer instinct. We're up 24-14 against Tech. We're up 31-17 against Tech, and you don't finish. And you you know those type of things happen, and it's recurring from last year. My expectation is you've shown the ability to game plan and get your team ready to play. You've shown the ability to get up on teams. All these teams you've played, you've gotten up on them, whether it's Hudson Card or Quinn Ewers. What I'm looking to see with the young group and as he's continuing to build this program, can you teach our guys how to finish? Yeah. Can you teach our guys how to finish? Joey McGuire, Texas Tech head coach after the game, said he knew Texas would break. And that's a message that's a very harsh thing to say or hear from an opponent after you play them, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But at the same token, it's a challenge, and I think that needs to be taken on as a challenge the rest of this season for Texas. Yeah, and that goes into the next thing I was going to ask you about, and that's the culture at Texas. There's been a lot of talk about culture problems and all this. Do you think Steve Sarkeesian, do you think the administration and the fan base will give him time to can't change the culture at Texas? So – I think the administration's on his side. The thing, one of the things I, I love a lot about Sark, I love Sark um, as a man, um, as somebody who is a leader in 2022. Um, I think he really understands how to communicate, not just to kids, but to parents, families. Um, he's not this, he's not the old school Bear Bryant drill sergeant type, you know, junction boys, you know, and, and, not to say that that won't work at all in 2022, but he's very, very much, um, you know, has a lot of those pro style elements where he, you know, hey, I expect a lot from you. I'm going to command that, but I'm also going to treat you like an adult. Um, I'm not going to be over your head, you know, beating you over every single little thing. He's very personable. He's very big on 
talking about mental health, protecting their mental space, um, and being protective of making sure the kids are in the right mental framework um, because of the amount of pressure everybody's under. I think he is liked. And Tom Herman, even though Tom Herman had some successful moments at Texas and, you know, last year was seven and three, um, you know how it is even with coworkers or any type of business. If if you're not liked by people in the building and you're rubbing people the wrong way, yeah. they're not going to go to bat for you in moments of truth. That's not an issue with Steve Sarkeesian. He's liked by the fan base. He's liked internally. The issue is just you went five and seven last year and you have another blown lead this year and you're seven and nine overall so far. Yeah. And that win loss record is what is dinging him right now. And I hope that he's able to get enough to where everything else, people are on board. Mannings are coming in. We have better luck with health next year. We feel like we can really start to build something, especially going into the SEC when we make that move. Right. But he can't have another five and seven, six and six type year. He just can't. He can't. He, he, that that's not going to work at Texas. It's just it's yeah. just not. It's fair. And uh, I mean, obviously Neil Brown's in a similar situation. Other than he's been here four years now, or he's on his fourth season. And uh, you know, we're not. We don't. We don't claim to be Texas. We, our expectations are probably not quite as high as Texas, but we still don't want to be six and six every year. That's not where our program has been historically. Mm-mm. We've been, uh, you know, consistently at least a seven to eight win team with, the, you know, and, you know, once or twice a decade, we'll get a 10 win season in there, compete for a conference title. Uh, you know, we'll win nine games here and there. That's not been happening so far. Neil Brown's won five, six, and six so far. And uh, so we're not real happy. You know, right now we're. We're hoping he we just same thing. We all like everything he's saying, everything he's doing off the field. We like him as a person, as a man. Uh, like the lessons he's teaching the guys. But at the end of the day, he's getting paid to win, and he's and right now, so far, he's not done enough of it. I hope like crazy he turns it around because I want him to be the guy. Same uh, way I feel. But you know, proof will be in the pudding, as they say. Well said. But, well said. Same. I could take everything you just said and yeah. apply it to back. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I want I want you to be the guy. Yeah, but yeah, I need I, the I, wins to validate it. <laughs> right, but I just you know I just with Texas, you guys have been through so many coaches the last few years, man. I just figured they would give. I'm I'm assuming they're going to give Sark a little bit more time than they might have given Herman. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Is that? The I thing is, Herman, Herman won a sugar – you know, he had a top 10 finish. He finished – we finished ranked 10th in 2018 or in 2019. Right. He had that Sugar Bowl when he did have a at least one Big 12 title game appearance. Now, um, he wasn't great his first year. And then right after that, we were like 8-5. and five And, you know, and he had a quarterback in Sam Ellinger that you probably should win more football games than you did, quite frankly. Um, when you have somebody like that running, you know, that you have as a four-year starter. And that last year now, it was COVID year and all those type of things, but there were some there were some issues going on internally um, with staff, with okay. administration, and you don't have players really lobbying for you because you're not you're not liked. Um, yeah. And I know that sounds sounds like, oh, typical Texas type thing, but you know, um, that's, that's, you know, you're seeing that even at Arizona state with Herm Edwards and some right. of the craziness you, 
yeah, that's college football, right? And so um, I, I want Steve Sarkeesian to have my here's here's the biggest thing I've said on my channel, Kuz. In year three, you should be talking about extending your coach. If it's working, we should be talking about when are we going to have an extension, right? Mm -hmm. Around year three, maybe year, even if it takes to year four, we shouldn't be talking. But by the time year three rolls in, if we're still talking about, is he the guy? Is he, is, is this going to work? That's a red flag, I feel like. And so I hope that we can get to the point where we're rolling and we have better injury luck. I Look, he is he has been dealt a tough hand for what he wanted to do coming into the season. And so I have to be fair there. But Joey McGuire was playing with a backup quarterback on Saturday as well on the other side. Right, right. And guys are figuring out how to win. So you yeah. have to figure out, no matter the excuses, how to win. They'll do it. They, these guys are getting paid a lot of money, man. So – it's hard to have a lot of sympathy for them, right? If if they're not winning. Well, listen, Steve, Stephen, I appreciate you coming on, man. It's been it's been a pleasure to do this show with you, man. I could sit here and chat it up with you for 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 hours, but uh, we both have lives to get back to, so, <laughs> so uh, we'll call it a night. But man, just one more one more time, real quick, let my audience know where they can find you. Absolutely. So, fanatic perspective over on YouTube. Uh, we will be doing some pregame prep as well over there for the week. Uh, but heavy Texas content. We do live streams as well. Um, very interactive. I always try to go live, you know, at least an hour or so emotionally after the game and then try to provide some perspective throughout the week. Um, and just all over Twitter as well. My handle's up there, fan perspective, Instagram, um, across the board. And uh, very thankful to just, you know, be able to do stuff like this with other awesome content creators like you, Koo. So thank you for having me on. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you coming on again. It's been a pleasure. And uh, with that being said, uh, appreciate everybody tuning in and watching. And we'll see you on the next one. And as always, Q Country Roads. <laughs>